Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of And The Winner Is, where we amble along the avenue of Academy Award Best Picture winners. Uh, this time around, we're looking at the 1990 winner, Driving Miss Daisy, released in the US on 15th of December 1989. The film starred Jessica Tandy in an Oscar-winning role, and also Morgan Freeman and Dan Aykroyd. It was nominated for nine Oscars and eventually won four, in addition to that Best Actress and Best Picture, also winning Best Makeup and Best Adapted Screenplay. Joining me as always is my co-host Paul. Evening. Evening. Are we all good? You all right? Yeah, yeah good, not too good. bad. We're a little late yeah. this month just because we've uh, we've been busy. Just haven't quite yeah. quite fitted everything in this month. So we're a yeah. little bit late. So these are the, the November shows. And, and a rare midweek record as well. Yeah. We tend to do these things over the weekend, don't we? When we can. Yeah. So fitting them in and the, it does sometimes doesn't help the length of the damn movie as well like we'll find no. out on the next edition as well yeah to squeeze them in it, it doesn't yeah help. it kind of it's kind of makes watching them in midweek a little bit more difficult than it is sometimes yeah yeah so for uh so driving miss daisy yeah so i say it was released in 1989 it was actually a, a limited release um i think it was in three theaters in the december um and eventually went wide in january of 1990 uh and uh, I think I saw it at the cinema. No, I didn't tell. I saw it on VHS. So, but it came out here in February 1990, I believe. Uh, a couple of other facts: the other nominees this year, because we're we're in that firm in that period of sort of five nominees now. Yeah. Uh, Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society, Field of Dreams, and My Left Foot. And for once, a list where I've seen every film. <laughs> yeah, I think I've pretty much seen all of them as well. I I I, I, I may have like ninety percent of my left foot. It's why it's been on the telly, and I think I, I may have seen it all. I'm not entirely sure, but but the other yeah. three certainly. Yeah. Um, other couple of facts. Um, Jessica Tandy apparently didn't believe she was going to win, so she actually better agent a hundred dollars that she wouldn't win. <laughs> and then that night she described it as the best bet she'd ever lost or something to that. <laughs> Where's that fact? Best bet, yes, told him. <laughs> um, Bizarrely, as I say, it came out in, in that sort of went wide in that January and it was number one in America, America for a couple of weeks and then got knocked off the top spot for a week. Do you know by what film? No. <laughs> Hard to Kill stars Steven Seagal. <laughs> of all things. <laughs> yeah, he kicked Miss Daisy to the curb for a week. <laughs> and then... Uh... And then, yeah, but then it, and this used to happen. Then he went back to number one for a couple of weeks afterwards. Because um, this used to happen back then, of course, because you, you couldn't see films left, right, and center. It was yeah. very much word of mouth, and you had to go to the cinema. I mean, I remember around the same, the same era, I think it was Shirley Valentine. And I yeah. uh, came around the same sort of era. And I'm sure it was in the cinema for the best part of six months on and off. Which is amazing it was now. The only when you... way you could see him. When you consider now what they're doing is they're trying to cut it down as much as possible. Yeah. That it's yeah. only in cinemas for no more than six weeks. Yeah. And it's... I think I may have seen it on VHS not long. It came out on VHS towards the back end that six months, so there's that crossover. Yeah. It's yeah, so strange when you think about it now. Uh, right, so he had a budget of $7.5 million. How much do you think it took, roughly? If... I'm going to go for about... 15 million? 145. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so that was not, not, yeah. 
Well, they get a lot of traction, though, don't they? See Oscar films as well. Yeah. That's always why they tend to stagger the releases. We, we always tend to get them in sort of February, March over here. Yeah. That they pick up on that, see. Uh, apparently, it was the only film based on an off-Broadway play to win Best Picture. Uh, it's quite interesting because of some of the musicals that we've covered and will cover in the future. Yeah. It's the only off-Broadway one. Yeah. Uh, Tandy, at the time, at, at the age of 81, was, became the oldest winner of the Best Actress award um i think she and in terms of actors i think only christopher Plummer may have beaten her since then yeah i think he was 82 when he won best supporting actor that's not bad at the end of your career when they, they normally get given those sort of special oscars to actually win one outright yeah nice that. yeah exactly yeah. yeah um as of 2021 it was the last best picture winner that was rated pg apparently as well um which surprised me so yeah I guess if you go way back when, some of them probably use certificates, maybe and stuff, or the old equivalent, because I think they slightly they had slightly different certification they back in the day. I think so. Uh, uh, the other one I, I picked out, which I really enjoyed, was the fact that because it was the uh, it was a rare case of it was the first Best Picture winner since Grand Hotel in 1932 not to receive a Best Director nomination as well. Um, yeah. Billy Crystal called it Oscars night. Apparently, the, uh, called it the film that apparently directed itself. <laughs> um, but of course, that as we've seen now in recent years, where we get the ten nominations, that's very much a regular thing now because they still only have like five directors. So, uh, and even now, we still get the odd time when a director isn't nominated. So uh, it does happen. I guess it's a case of where. The, they take the film as a whole over maybe just what the director did themselves. I don't know. Mm. Uh, right. Anyway, so I suppose we should just dive into our, our thoughts on the film. Was this a first time watch for you? No, I think I've seen bits of it. There's certain scenes that I know for sure that I have seen, like the the scene with him driving alongside her as she's walking along the road. I had definitely oh, yeah, yeah, seen yeah. that, and I I definitely think I've probably seen parts of it. I don't think I'd seen it all the way through. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was um, yeah. it was a first time seeing it properly. I would say yeah. and it's 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 a first time in full for me since I think I, I think as I was saying, I think I saw it on VHS because I can remember the because I well, uh, my local VHS store at the time you get like the, the nice white box and obviously wherever they got their, like their main inlay card from they cut out the main bits you'd have the title stuck in there and a picture off the cover <laughs> and I've just got this vague memory of driving Miss Daisy like that uh, handling that box I'm sure I rent, yeah. watched it on rental um, as I did back then because I started going to the cinema on and off quite regularly sort of back end of 89 into 1990 but you could never see everything of course no and so there, there was a there's a big period of the 90s where I, I, I was in the cinema once a week and probably renting stuff twice a week. And I think that probably was one of the titles. Because um, in fact, as well, I, um, Field of Dreams, which which was amongst the nominees, is that's where I saw that on VHS around that same era. Um, uh, I think I picked up from the start of the film, of course, with, uh, the friend of the podcast, Hans Zimmer, pops up again. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be a regular name, I think. He's going to, yeah, on. he's going to come up a lot, isn't he? Him and John Williams, yeah. I suspect, over the yeah. course of these podcasts. Yeah, uh, it's quite a nice score, actually. I think on this one, it's, it's yeah, I that was one playful. of my notes. Yeah, that I, I, I really did like the score on this. It was actually one of my later notes um, that mm. I put written down. Um, yeah, really nice, and and as as we've said about Hans Zimmer, he his sound changes. So yeah, much when yeah. you when you go through some of his 
is later stuff. You get to Pirates of the Caribbean and it's so different. And then yeah. even more moving on to the likes of Batman versus Superman, which again mm. was completely different to, to Pirates. So I think I've said in the past on these that I find it quite hard to listen to detach from the film. And I think that's why, yeah. because each of those scores is so succinct to the film that it's with. Yeah. Um, give or take, you can take away the theme tunes, I think, and listen to separately, like the Pirates theme, etc. Yeah. But the scores as a whole, I find, are hard to listen to away from the film yeah. because they complement the film so well. Yeah. Uh, and you do note that he he's one of these ones that's very much gives characters themes. Um, yeah, because yeah, because think... that nice the, the main theme in this that do 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 do. Yeah. It's it's a nice little playful theme. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that agree. I think it pops up a bit where you, where you were saying about a minute ago about the driving along the sidewalk. I think it pops up in there, doesn't it? I think yeah. When he's trying to get, get in the car. Um, another thing from the <laughs> another thing I picked up with the opening is who are you going to call? The truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on on that note of Akroyd, he, he, it's strange that this has come up at, at this point when yeah. Ghostbusters is only what a week old. Yeah. Um, and it's it's strange how Aykroyd's career just completely died, didn't it? It just disappeared. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I didn't mention it in the facts. Apparently, this is, I think this is the only nomination he's ever had as well for an Oscar. Was yeah, he got a best supporting actor nomination. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's 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 had a career which not been quite the sum of its parts. Yeah, you think yeah, he might have got more stuff like this and more awardy stuff in his career. Yeah, and it, se- it seemed like it, he was hurt by the fact that he did write a lot of his own stuff mm. um, over the years. When you when you go <clears> through <throat> stuff, it, it does tend to be him that's either written it or come up with the story or or stuff like that. And I, I do wonder whether that that hurt him. And he, he certainly was he was known for Saturday Night Live, wasn't he, for a, for a long yeah, time. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. Bill Murray, who he just decided he didn't want a career and just slinked <laughs> off and. Just appears every ten years, and he's and he's had one anyway. <laughs> he's just yeah, become an indie darling. Uh, yeah, and the thing is, still, Ackroyd's actually quite good in this. I thought. Yeah, and I find him quite good in a lot of the stuff. He was, um, but he was in the TV series, wasn't he? And I can't put my finger on what it was when he was reoccurring. Was he in Veronica Mars, or is that just me? Oh, being no, completely mental. I'm sure I remember seeing him I don't in remember a him. TV series. Um, but, but I could be well completely wrong. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so we got that, that opening scene which sort of sets up the film. They, they, they jump straight in with, with, with the need for it to have the driver, don't they? Don't take them long yeah. to set that up. Which nice. reverses the bloody car. <laughs> I think she's like Al in Die Hard. <laughs> Over the cliff side of the, of the, of the road. It's, funny um and of course then that brings us into our first introduction to um to morgan freeman as how um which one of my notes the film in 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 later years and at the time wasn't entirely well received because of the, because some of the the themes in it are, are sort of marred a little bit by some sort of very what we look at now is quite cliched characterization yeah. uh, and how being a prime example of that there's a very sort of old style feel to the character, isn't there, compared to what you might get from something like Spike Lee directing it? Yeah, yeah. I, I said to, for the the most part of it, it, 
it very much feels like a commentary of old people being stuck in their ways. Mm. Um, more than yeah. anything else, because it, it does, it has some darker moments, but they're kind of glossed over. They're, they're yeah. done very, very quickly. And it's like, oh, everything's okay now. We'll move on. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, because there's a scene. Shame. There's a scene later on in the film where where she kind of sees for herself what prejudices are out there. Yeah. Um, and it just seems to come and go so quickly. Yeah. Um, where they get pulled over by the two police and then, then you hear the comment from the copper as they drive off about the, the sort of two prejudice comments he makes. And uh, uh, Well, I was going to pick up at this point because we start off at the, uh, this sort of 1946 or whatever it is and then we get a lot of skips in the film. I think it, it jumps onto the through spring into the fifties. Yeah. Um, and, and up front, it, it was one of my issues with the film. I mean, there's um, we uh, we often talk about films being too long on this podcast. Yeah. And for me, this is one that was a little bit too short. Yeah. As it plays out, it needs about 15, 20 minutes to breathe a bit more. It does. It blows through it quite quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to Ackroyd, you suddenly see him getting quite wiggy. <laughs> he's suddenly suddenly going from his normal black hair to yeah. sort of like thinning and grey in the space ninety minutes of the film. Like, yeah. How did that happen? Because <laughs> you get these massive jumps because he jumps into the fifties, and then I think there's another jump into the sixty-six. So yeah. it, it'll jump like ten years at a time. And yeah. it did make the make make it hard for me to engage at times with it. I think because yeah. it didn't really dwell on any one period. Um, and it missed some opportunities in terms of like there's a bit later on they talk about Martin Luther King and I thought we might have seen a sequence about about the assassination maybe uh, and their reaction to it little things like that as we go through and watch the film or you go through the film that I thought we're missing um, uh, there is uh, a horrible bit for me I thought early on where where talking about that 50s period where they have the Christmas party and Paul Hoke has to stand outside with the car yeah when Day- Daisy goes, Miss Daisy goes into the party, I thought, I couldn't even bring him out some no- eggnog. You know? <laughs> I know he's driving, but back then yeah. we're a little bit, we're a little bit tight, but at least. So. <laughs> uh, and then we get a, we get a nice sort of road trip and then a bit more Hans Zimmer. She's full force at this time in the film. Um, and it's quite a, quite a hefty sequence, I think. Uh, that feeds into what I just mentioned about the, the sequence when they come across the police. Um, and, and you wonder how that was going to play out. And you kind of thought, wanted her to be a bit more aggressive, almost, I found, with the police in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because they, they as I said, it, it kind of feels like they they want to touch on those situations, but they want to do it softly, softly. Yeah, and don't really yeah. dive into it. And I think again that that feeds back into what I was saying about them, how the film was received in the time and, and sort of been revised in recent years is that it, it is a it, it's a safe entry and a safe winner in that yeah. respect. And uh, I think that that may have changed a little bit in recent years. Although um, we haven't we haven't watched the film yet, but I think Green Book. Yeah, there there were similar reactions to that a, a year or two back, a couple of years back. And I think when we get around to eventually watching it, I think it probably plays on some of the same theme. Because uh, uh, there were also following on from a bit with the police when we moved into the 60s. 
we also get the bit with the uh, the temple bombing, and again, it kind of it it's felt like you, you're getting bits of the story second or third hand, and I kind of wanted to see some of those scenes, you know. Yeah. It it doesn't quite have the same narrative impact for me that sequence as if we'd actually seen it happen. Where it's just hope coming back to the car and saying, "Oh, the temple was bombed," and you think, oh, "Yeah, okay, that's a bit bad, isn't it?" But yeah, it would be more impactful, I think, if you'd actually had that some of those scenes in there. Yeah, that's that. That's my my big bone of contention is that they they kind of it's all just brushed under the carpet. Uh, yeah, and they yeah. they just don't want to talk about it. And it's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna throw it in because it's a good narrative. But we're not going to show you it. We're just going to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, now, whether that's because of its background and sort of from the stage, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I just felt with a with a filmers, like I said, that there there was room in there to sort of breathe a bit more by 15, 20 minutes and make yeah. it a, an hundred minute film. And you could have stuff like that in there, just to draw the audience in more to what they should be experiencing or what they what they're experiencing. Yeah. Like you say, if if you hear it secondhand, it doesn't have quite the same impact, does it? Yeah, no, it really doesn't. That's that is the big big problem with this this film. Mm, mm. Uh, just 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 as a passing that at one point, I should mention this point. The one thing I do like about it as the film goes on is the changing cars. Yeah, as we jump through the truth of the era, so I thought it was a nice touch. Which was what, one of my first notes. The the first car that she crashes was beautiful. It was lovely. Yeah, and you do wince. Yeah, but then they keep going. There's just yeah. all of them are really nice throughout the whole film. Yeah, yeah. She never holds back on what what car she's buying. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no. I do. I do love the scene where where Hope buys it. <laughs> yeah, and it just shows the nature of the man. He wanted to do it properly instead of just he wanted to sort of do right yeah. by, by Miss Daisy and, and do it properly. Um, it's a nice scene for just summing up the guy. I got a random note in here I just need to bring up. I've just written Krispy Kreme. I can't remember yeah. what scene it was now. Yeah, I've got a note as well about Krispy Kreme. And I'm like, how old is Krispy Kreme? Because we've only had yeah. it for maybe four or five years. And this is like meant to be 70 years ago. And there's a Krispy yeah. Kreme. And I'm like, what? I also noted yeah. on, on the food thing, uh, the mention of the Piggly Wiggly as well. I take it you've come across those stores, have you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. That, it's such a strange thing to to come up with as well to use that. Piggly Wiggly, that's a great name for a store. Like that. <laughs> um, I, and then I say there are little historical bits, and I like the the, the the there's a throwaway scene where they're watching TV for the first time. I think, yeah. and that was nice. I always like seeing that in, in a film or a TV yeah. show when when people have their first day. It's like the because you know. When they had the same thing in Back to the Future, <clears throat> yeah. When they have their first telly, and that I always like seeing that for some reason. In films. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's strange because I've written down uh, the obligatory Christmas movie. I'm assuming they were watching It's a Wonderful Life when I wrote that. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be. It must have been. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think I saw, we do. As you say, with the, with the way it sort of softly starts, deals with stuff, we then get, as we as we move forward, we get to the bit where um, Boole's had an invite to the Martin Luther King dinner. Yeah. Um, 
and Daisy could have invited Hoke and she doesn't. And it's a very plays out very oddly, I think. Just so does she consider him a friend at this point or still an employee or not? Or <laughs> yeah. And, and this is after she's experienced the thing as well with, with the police and also with the sort of temple being blown up. She's still not quite crossed that line yet into sort of having no. him as quote unquote as an equal. And uh, you just you, you feel for the guy so much that you, you can't get in. And, and for the first time, we really see him angry. And I don't blame him in the slightest. No. Where it's his man and uh, and he has to sit there listening to it on the radio while she's sort of... And it's it's the one scene which sort of sort of probably plays even now into the sort of um, the idea of um, of white privilege. Now, as white, we can still not appreciate sometimes that we can do that stuff freely, and then yeah. the people it's really meant for don't get a look in. Uh, and that's still something that, that certainly plays now. So yeah, it was a it was a funny old sequence that for me. Um, and so as the film, because the and well, we're rattling through this a little bit just because I think because the film does as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, I've I've literally not even got a page and a half of notes, which is very unusual yeah. for me. Yeah, it, it's just a film. You you just sit there and just let it play out, really, because yeah. as I say, because of the way the way it's structured, and you sort oh right, so. Dan's a little bit doughier now, by the looks of it, and he's a little bit fatter <laughs> in the cheeks. And then, because yeah, I know. See, it did interesting. It did win, of course. I mentioned the best makeup, and I thought, you know, I thought well, makeup weren't really that good for best picture winner <laughs> <laughs> compared to now. Yeah, when well, you, you compare it the... to, and you think that um, this is the same year that Cruz did um, Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, and that the. the the bald pat head and, and the beard and everything he looked fantastic. The transformation in Cruz in that film, yeah, I thought was better than anything in this. Yeah, really, in terms of realism and, and emotional response. Yeah, uh, and he goes from that sort of clean cut Tom Cruise that we know to this sort of raggedy, beardy hippie guy, and, and he looks so different. I thought, well, hang on, that didn't win yet. Yeah, yeah, slapping a bit of grey hair on on Dan Aykroyd did. <laughs> Um, there you go. That's that's the technical award of the Oscars. Where they always do throw, yeah. throw up their own weirdness. Um, we do. We finally towards the end, we finally get to sort of the crux of the film, and, and the really sort of the sad bits when you start seeing Daisy's uh, dementia start. Uh, yeah, it, it's so sad that sequence. Yeah, when she's talking about being at school and the notes and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'd written that down because to start with, literally the night before, I'd written down she's just a bitch because she was at that point. Yeah, and then you. Oh get, yeah, she. Yeah, you, she's. You get to see her breakdown, literally straight yeah. afterwards. Of and then you go, oh no, there's there's a problem here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then when yeah he comes to the house, and of course she she's just rattling around the place looking for his notes, yeah, her notes and for the children and stuff. Oh no. Here we go. Um, yeah, and I just, I I went from gone gone from bit she to just ill. <laughs> it's just yeah. almost overnight because it's like I think it's like a ten or twelve year jump again. I think towards that bit there. Yeah, it, it must be. And I think yeah, this is the bit of the film that's not working for me. There's there's no no progression of stuff. It's like um, 
it's like listening to music on the shuffle button. Yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get two thirds of the way through a song and get fed up with it and then skip on to the next one. Yeah. And, and it felt like a filmic version of that at times. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. It, then, it does. It skips around all over the place. Yeah. And, and it's, it's only finally then towards those last moments we finally get that, that line out of the trailer where she says, you're my best friend. And you think, mm. finally, she's come to realise it, you know? It, yeah. It took dementia for her to realise it, you know? It's a, there's some nice moments in there as well. I love the bit where they sort of, she dispatches her son to go and chat up the nurses and stuff because he's, he's here to see me. I thought that's quite a nice, yeah. nice moment to sort of end it. Uh, <laughs> there's another bit here I just I noted about the sort of the way they, they set the ears. We suddenly see a jogger in the street. <laughs> like, oh, there's the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Because that's when kind of jogging sort of came to the fore, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. The 70s. Yeah. Um, you you oh, don't really see it before that. I mean, you think even back, like stuff like Marathon Man was the seventies, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, and and actually, one of the one of the notes I did, it, I said it does have some comparisons to Forrest Gump at times. Yeah, um, yeah, and very much that's the whole part of him running is because it's this yeah. new thing that everybody's yeah. doing, and that's he decides right. he's going to do it. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, so I thought that was that was a nice little visual moment. To, yeah. to sort of set that it's give you the seventies that it's, there's a jogger going past and the sort of it's those funny shorts that they used to wear at the time. Uh, and then you have that sort of what the hell moment when you find out that I has got a granddaughter who's thirty seven. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. Where did she come from? <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's two years since we saw the scene where she, where the dementia started. My God, this film just. It's trying to squeeze so much into a short running time when it didn't yeah. need to. And I just wonder why that was. Why I think it runs about 99 minutes. Or so it could at least have another 10, 12, 13 minutes just to sort of yeah. allow some of these sequences to breathe a bit more. Um, but it's, it ends quite nicely on, on that the, the pie scene. And then you sort of get that nice overlay of the, of the old car. Yeah. Um, though I kind of wanted a proper, complete flashback scene, which you do get in some of these movies, where it would cut from the feeding to them being in the car, and then the credits would roll. But it's sort of just done as like an overlay. Oh, interesting choice. Yeah. Um, but I kind of just wanted a proper full scene of them driving down the road in the sun, sun sunshine or something, just yeah. to leave you in a nice place again. Yeah. Of, of when when they were both younger. Yeah, definitely. It, it, as you say, it is a, a nice ending. At least it, it doesn't leave you feeling bad at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least she, she doesn't croak it or anything. At least it, yeah. it leaves you with them in, in a place with a, as a friendship. And, and you, you don't know how many more years she's got, but you, at least you know that Oak's going to be around and he's going to visit her until, until he yeah. can't go anymore. And it, it leaves you with that, that sort of at that end. You know? It's quite yeah. a nice end. Yeah. My thoughts on the film overall, so it's got a nice playful score from Zimmer. Um, as we as we mentioned, it does feel a bit safe at times. It, it, it as we both mentioned, it it touches on certain things of the era, but doesn't want to dwell on them too long. Yeah, which is strange in in a story about interracial friendships and and racism and prejudice and stuff like that. It does kind of do that hands off. It's very strange choice. 
Uh, Tandy, I thought, was, was worthy of her Oscar. She's very good. Uh, Freeman's part can sort of, by today's standards, veer very much towards caricature at times, but I guess uh, 89, it was slightly different. The running time, I said, I could have done another 15, 20 minutes, maybe like it breathe. Uh, it, it's a decent enough film, but in that list, having seen all those five films, there are films that I've enjoyed more and thought maybe were probably better picture winners, best picture winners that year. I think best of, Born on the 4th of July, I thought it was a superb film. Yeah. Uh, still one of Stone's best. Uh, Field of Dreams is a very nice, again, it's a nice safe film, but again, for, there's a nice emotional core to that. And it's a film that I can't watch at the moment since my dad passed away a few years ago. I, I haven't been able to go back and watch it yet. I'm just not ready to. Um, it is one of those ones, uh, though, that sticks around, isn't it? Field of Dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which would say that it's probably more worthy of of winning than, than this is because most people wouldn't know this film. Yeah. You might yeah. recognize yeah. the name, but. You would probably say, "Oh, I, I've heard of it, but I couldn't tell you what it is, what it's about, or who's in it, or yeah. anything." Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'll come back for my scoring. Now, just thought, what your, your any final thoughts on, on on the film? Yeah, for me, just a couple of notes. Really, I, I do like. There's a lot of chemistry between the the leads, mm. not just yeah the the two main ones, but with Dan as well. Um, everybody's yeah. relationships work well together. And, and that was my big takeaway from it. I, I don't think as a, a story and as a, a film in general, it's uh, an overly strong film. Um, yeah. But those relationships for me are what kind of elevated a little bit higher than it would be if it wasn't those actors and yeah. roles. Um, yeah. I agree that the, the score's lovely. Um, and yeah, it's, it is, it's a, a very safe film. Um, mm. whereas it's in an era where it should be touching on something more than it does. Um, yes, yes. And it, it yeah, covers, I mean, I covers think, its tracks quite, quite quickly. Uh, Do the Right Thing was around the same time, didn't get any nominations, of course, or anything. And that's a much stronger take on, on Prejudice of, um, from Spike Lee. And, of course, films that, of course, the Oscar at the time weren't going to touch that with a barge pole, were yeah. they, probably? So. no. And yeah, I, it's got a, a sweet ending, as I said. Um, but as an Oscar winner, not for me. Um, there were, as you say, stronger films um, that year. Um, and it's probably one of the more modern ones that's a little bit of a dud as a winner. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. And I think that, that's a lot been of the, the revision over the years. Yeah, a lot of the, the more modern films that we've watched for this podcast uh, have been fairly decent and have probably deserved to win. Um, mm. Unlike some of the, the older ones that we've touched on that yeah. probably probably didn't, this is, this is probably the most modern one that I feel didn't deserve to win that year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your score? Uh, I just went for a, a bang average 73. I didn't think it was a bad film. Um, I just didn't think it was a great film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's not far off my own because I sort of, I sort of ummed and how close I wanted to go towards eighty, and I thought, oh, it's not really a four star. It's more of a three and a half, maybe. So, and yeah. So I've, I've, I've just scored it out around seventy six percent. So yeah, not far out from yourself. So I think, yeah, probably similar feelings on it. It's, it's a nice film. It's an okay film, but it's not the most 
grandiose sort of best picture winner that we'll that we'll deal with. Yeah, that we'll come across. Definitely. Yeah. That's good. 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 Right. Well, I think that probably wraps about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, thank you for joining me, Paul. And uh, That's okay. thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll see you all again in the next episode when we talk about the 1951 winner, All About Eve. Good night. Cheerio.